Good ladies, thank you so much. Thank you, Miss Snow, for that good song. Certainly we can trust the Lord and his goodness endureth forever. Forever and ever and ever and ever. I have a hard time grasping that, do you? Eternity is something hard to really get a hold of. But uh, I know that it's so. I just wish I could understand it a little better. I think we'd be a whole lot more excited about what we have if we understood for how long we have it. Don't you? And that we can't lose it. Boy, that, isn't that something? That uh, you've got a, um, a um, uh, house and uh, home not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And uh, so thank the Lord for his goodness. And I appreciate those that he's gifted to sing and to labor in the church. And that's part of what we've been dealing with here. And um, in 1 Peter chapter number 5, part of what we've been looking at is, um, you know, over the past several weeks, really, we've talked about the gifts. The church has been gifted. Um, and I thank the Lord for that. He's gifted many people in the church. Uh, with many various differing gifts, according to member we were in Romans, and um, so everybody is gifted. And um, some some people are have multiple gifts even. And so if we're gifted and we have gifts, we ought to be using them for the Lord. Is that right? I don't. I couldn't think of anything else more wasteful uh, than throwing away your gifts. My mom always told me that. Um, if God's give you a gift, something to do, and you don't use it, you'll lose it. And there's a lot of truth to that. Um, I've seen many people that have used their God-given talents for the world, and um, in essence, they lost it. But I have seen people actually lose, um, you know, being able to do some of the things they've done. Uh, but anyhow, I appreciate the... Um, truth of uh, there's more than just one person in the church that's gifted and uh, there's many people there's a lot of get noticed and your gift may not get you a lot of attention down here uh, but it is never going to go unnoticed in heaven all right that ought to be comforting uh, so um, vain is the help of man but also vain is the praise of man uh, it really doesn't get you anywhere for me to pat you on the back, does it? Now, it's good. We ought to encourage each other in the Lord, but it doesn't really get you a whole lot. But when the Lord takes notice and he remembers your work and labor of love, it'll mean something in eternity. And so just don't grow weary in well-doing. You will reap. It's going to come. Uh, don't worry about that, but um, just keep on doing what you've been told to do, and I want to be found faithful when the Lord comes. I want to be where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing when Jesus comes. So let's just keep faithful at it, and um, sometimes it doesn't come along with a whole lot of feelings, and um, we don't operate on feelings. We operate by faith, right? So we just do it because we're instructed to do it, and we believe God. And uh, that's when uh, you know your faith uh, is resting in the song that was being played in the uh, anchor in the resting place that you found that haven of rest. So anyhow, First uh, Peter chapter number five, we've uh, come in here uh, and looked at, it began to look at, and uh, you got to see me preach to myself. And so that's fun. I'll do a little bit more of that tonight and then move on. 
but um, it's always good for uh, uh, pastors and uh, those that are the elders that are being referred to here in First Peter chapter five and verse number one. It's always good uh, for us to remember. Uh, that's why I like preaching expositionally because it'll make you deal with those verses. Not many people would feel led to take their text in a preaching sermon from First Peter five one. Uh, if you've ever heard it, then they're probably preaching expositionally through those verses. Uh, otherwise, they probably are not going to touch on those much. But So I appreciate the truth and the help that the Lord gives us. He, uh, we ended chapter 4 when we were dealing with the warfare. And uh, we saw the, uh, if I can remember, I don't have it in front of me, uh, but we saw our past failures um, I believe it was the, the, the times past. Then we saw the, uh, the future prospects, uh, the prospects in the future. And then we see the present, the present judgment that we face in verse 17 is where, uh, for the time has come, judgment begins at the house of God. And uh, if the righteous scarcely be saved, and then verse 19, ending that chapter, let them that suffer according to the will of God entrust, keep their souls, entrusting, keeping their souls to him in well-doing. Then he starts in chapter 5 is where we are, have begun the last time we were together, and we looked at chapter number 5, and we started to look at the workers' clothing. And I, I entitled that based upon later in the verses where he talks about being clothed with humility. But really it starts in verse number one. Because as we go down through here and you see the expectations of the minister and the members and in the ministry, the expectation is humility for the minister, ex, uh, humility in the ministry, and then humility for the membership. It will take humility to perform your duty as a Christian. Right? Wherever you're placed at. If you're placed in the body as a member and whatever it is that you're doing, it will take humility to do it. Uh, even uh, it starts out, that's why he starts with that elder, uh, the, the bishop, the pastor. He must uh, be clothed with humility. And uh, uh, that is certainly something that uh, I'm still working on. And the Lord probably will be working on that in us every single day of our lives till he takes us home. And so uh, uh, anyhow, the Lord begins with the elder and the bishop and starts with the, uh, those that are in charge uh, because uh, Paul was always fearful of this. He said uh, he didn't want to become a castaway. When I had preached to others, then I myself don't do it. Um, nobody has any respect for somebody that'll preach to do something while they're doing it. Amen? Amen. It's lost a lot of respect from probably a lot of you for a lot of people. It happens. Uh, but he, that's why he starts with the leadership and exhorts them to be humble uh, because we can't expect others to be what we won't be ourselves. And, uh, and it started with our chief shepherd, right? Uh, and, and, and now don't get confused. A lot of times was Jesus not being humble when he broke in on them and said, this is not going to be a den of thieves. This will be a house of prayer and made a whip. No, he was still humble. Uh, it could have been a lot worse for him. So he, don't get humility confused with being weak or meekness with weakness. Humility is having the proper estimation of yourself. It's seeing yourself as God sees you. Um, and so anyway, we'll look at that. But he starts, let's start in verse number one. 
And uh, uh, look at the uh, expectation, we'll end this part here, uh, but the expectation for the minister and him to have in himself humility, the elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder. And so Peter starts off very good and uh, does not show, he shows his humility right off the bat in saying that I'm no better and I'm not above anybody, I'm an elder also. And Jesus, though he was Lord of all, humbled himself and became obedient. And that's why the Bible said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Right? Who was Lord of all, but humbled himself. And thought it not robbery with God. Remember that? And humbled himself, became obedient to even the death of the cross. And, and so Jesus left us an example in his earthly ministry of how to be humble and how to uh, operate in humility. And then Peter follows suit. Now, Peter had to learn that. Uh, you remember uh, they come along and said, who's going to be the greatest when you get up there? Who's going to sit at the right hand? Who's going to be? Um, and uh, he kind of always had to keep them in their place. He didn't start out humble, uh, but God helped him to be so. And God has a way of helping us to be humble if we don't want to humble ourselves. Doesn't he? Well, I'll tell you one thing, Jesus. Them other guys may do it, but I won't. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then what happened, right? I mean, that, boy, that was humbling, wasn't it? And it had to be very humbling uh, to run your mouth in front of all the other preachers and say, these other guys may do it, Jesus, but I'm never going to do it. And then turn around and do it. And then Jesus show up personally uh, to uh, let you know he knew all about it. He knew what you said and what you did and reminded you of it three times. And uh, so anyhow, God's got his way. Humble yourself so God doesn't have to. Isn't that right? I have found that um, there's no easy ways to humble a person. And so um, God's got tools to do it with. And when he does it, it's very painful often. And uh, so the expectation is for us to humble ourselves, right? And, uh, but he will gladly help you if you will not do it yourself. Uh, so anyhow, and that's to a Christian. Now, a Christian can humble himself. Uh, so anyhow, the elders which are among you, I exhort, uh, who also am an elder and a, a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. So I'm nothing more than anybody else. I'm just a witness. There were many other witnesses. Um, there uh, is, uh, I'm just a partaker, and there are many other partakers of the glory that shall be revealed. So uh, Peter exhibits that. Uh, and then in verse number two, he exhorts the minister to feed the flock of God. We have dealt with that uh, enough, but feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, uh, not by constraint, but willingly, and not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. And so uh, just to say that the oversight that has been assigned to the elder, the bishop, the pastor, uh, is not one that he should be forced into. Uh, or that he should give up willingly, uh, but one that he should take readily, right? And willingly is something that, remember the, the Bible says for the office, it's, this is not something we look to do because there's nothing else to do, right? So as, as any preacher uh, knows where, um, uh, you know, this is a calling and a lot of people fight that, but I believe you're called and uh, God uh, puts you into these positions uh, as he is so gifted. And so it's just not something we just do uh, because somebody's pushing us into it uh, or that uh, this is something we've taken on willingly. And so we continue in oversight willingly uh, because this is what God's appointed us to do. We don't give that up uh, for any reason. 
sees it. And then he says, not for filthy lucre. So we don't do it for, because we're in it for the money. Uh, we don't do it for, uh, we don't not preach things because it might affect somebody that's guilty and we don't want the offerings to go down, right? Uh, we just preach. We just preach and uh, take him the oversight thereof and say, well, I don't want to deal with that because it's going to affect them and they give and they might leave uh, if I tell them that they can't, uh, you know, do such and such. Look, I can't, I can't deal with that. You're going to have to be a mature enough Christian to handle that. And uh, I've just got to do what God's told me to do, right? And so I just want to do that faithfully. And uh, I, I don't want to be put in a position where I have to feel like I'm not allowed to do that uh, because of whatever financially uh, we'll, we'll leave if you'll do it. Well, God's got enough money. And if you go, you'll just have to go before we compromise, right? That's the way it has to be. I don't say that arrogantly. I mean that. We can't compromise God's truth. It's not my truth to compromise, right? I just have to preach the word. That's why I feed you this. That word literally means to, uh, when he says feed the flock of God, there's two words that are used, and he uses the one that's, that's in, uh, the meaning is to shepherd. And so the meaning of that literally means to, to find pasture for, not P-A-S-T-O-R, U-R-E, pasture for sheep, and uh, uh, lay it out for them to feed upon, Right? I'm not standing here with grain throwing it at you and shoving it in your mouth, right? And lead you to the pastor. And so that's, that's how a shepherd is. So the idea there uh, is uh, in the shepherding uh, of the flock of God. And feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking oversight, and not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Uh, that filthy lucre is shameful gain. Uh, what I've seen men compromise for um, and what they think they've gained, uh, you know, the money they might get, the offering in a meeting, uh, they really haven't gained anything, right? Uh, they've really been a negative. That's been a loss. But anyhow, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And I don't know if I, for sure if I dealt with this last week, but there is a great difference. And Jesus brought this verse out uh, in, uh, in Luke and other places, uh, but he talked about the Gentiles. And um, one of the words that he uses is they exercise authority upon them and are called benefactors. And uh, he said, it shall not be so with you. Uh, but with you, whoever, whosoever is great among you, let him be the lead. Whoever's that uh, one that's in charge, he's, he's going to be a minister. He's a servant, right? And that doesn't diminish the authority because he obviously has authority. Uh, he has so much authority. The Bible said, uh, he told Paul, he said, told young Timothy, he said, let no man despise thy you. So he's got enough authority to not let people do things, right? So there's authority that's there. But his authority is such for what is that verse we ended on last week? For the edification to build you up and not for your destruction, right? You say, well, your hard preaching destroys me. No, that's your problem, not mine, right? If it's true, it's true. You got to take that up with God, not me. I didn't hurt you. You, uh, you hurt yourself. You're stumbling at the truth. Amen, right? I'm trying to learn to say these things with a smile. It comes across easier if you're smiling when you say it. I learned that. If you look mean when you're saying it, it's often taken worse. So I'm trying to teach myself to smile through these mean things. I've watched these older men. They'd say some things I'd think, boy, that was cutting it tight. But they said it with a smile and it made you feel better about it at least. <laughs> Amen. They were dicing you up on the inside with the word of God. Anyhow, now, uh, so uh, uh, verse number three, neither be as being lords, uh, and the reason that's different from the Gentile world uh, is because in their world, they were owners, right? That's what a king is. That's what a lord is. They have ownership rights. 
that why Jesus is our Lord, right? So he's in charge. I'm an under shepherd to the chief shepherd, right? He's the one that owns you. And he's the one that died for you. He's the one gave his life for you. And, uh, uh, and I thought about this some today. Now, uh, I've heard, often heard pastors uh, 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 be, uh, say, well, I'm not a babysitter. And so what made me laugh during this, Brother Reed, is I, I thought about it in these terms. And I, I, I don't know why, because I generally agree with that. A pastor is not a babysitter. I, I, I totally agree with that. So please understand doctrinally what I'm saying here is not, but I want you to see something and just how my, my crazy brain works. And the way my brain operates, I was thinking about this in those terms. Not in the terms of what the office represents, but in the terms of what the children represent. If you took your, if I took my children, I'm going to use myself. If I took my children and I entrusted them to Brother Reed, and I said, Brother Reed, I've got to go, and I've got to, uh, uh, I'm going, but I'm going to come back and get them. And I left you guidelines on how to treat them. Right? And I said, now, don't, this is how you treat my children. And if there's any questions about how to treat them, pray and come ask me about it. Because they belong to me. Right? Come on now. This is good stuff. And so God says, hey, I'm entrusting you with my children. You belong to God. He's entrusted you. He's, 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 he wants me to be an overseer over the church. And so I thought about this, and I thought, okay, so I entrust my children. Look at what my wife and I have gone through to give birth to these children. I'm taking part in that somewhat. I almost passed out during that thing. My wife had me in a death grip like this, and I was bent over for about three hours straight. And when I stood up, I almost went straight down. I like to kill myself with you kids. I hope y'all are taking that right. We don't do much. But anyhow, and so I look at, she's, I mean, all that she's gone through and bearing children into the world and all that we've forsaken and given them a life and try to raise them and keep them out of sin and uh, all that we've given the way of money uh, to try to feed them uh, and uh, uh, the loans we've taken out to put food in the No, but, uh, uh, and look, just look at all that we've put in uh, to, uh, to their life uh, in those children. That'll let you know how much I love them. And, uh, and so I'm entrusting them to you. And so when I come by and, and I say, look, I don't mind you. There's times in this Bible, it says, wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. A lot of people don't like that. I say, well, uh, uh, you got, that doesn't mean I'm not being gentle. See, I'm supposed to be gentle among all men, but I don't know how you generally rebuke somebody sharply. You just got to tell them how it is, right? You got to just lay it out straight. Beat around the bush. I think people, generally speaking, they don't want beat around the bush. But just shoot it to me straight, right? Just tell me what the deal is. I want to know. And, and so there's allowances in this Bible. Mark them. Avoid people. Uh, remove fellowship from people. There's some hard things to be expected. Uh, but here's what the Bible says. And when I'm, when I'm thinking about this, and so I'm going to come back, and I don't mind you, Brother Reed, if you have to correct them, I don't want you beating them. I don't want you running them down and ruining, you know, I get set guidelines in here how I want you to treat them. I want you to love on them like I would. I want you to treat them like I treated you, and I've loved you. Now, I understand this isn't a perfect scenario here, but I'm trying to get you to see something of my love to my children. And so I come back to Brother Reed, and I don't mind if you have to correct them a little bit. You just do it according to the, to the rule book, the Word of God, and uh, uh, if there's any questions, you pray about it, and uh, uh, call me, and I'll, and I'll answer the question. And, uh, and so I've entrusted the line 
life and the, 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 um, the uh, uh, um, growth of my children, so to speak, uh, with Brother Reed as they grow up. And I come back and he's mistreated them. And I find they're malnourished. He's not been feeding them. I've given money to feed them. Think spiritually now. Are you following me? I've given money to feed them and I come home and they're about that big around with a big old belly. Not just a big old belly like I got. I'm talking that's malnourishment. You know, about that big around everywhere else and you bloat it. And, and they're malnourished and they, they've not been fed well. They've not been taken care of. They, they don't have a bath. They, uh, they've been, they, they act like they've been beat to death. They, uh, they've obviously been mistreated. Me and Brother Reed's going to have a problem. Right? That's what he's saying here. How... Elders are expected to love and to, and to cherish and to, and to help, the, and not for their destruction, for their edification. I'm supposed to help in that part. As the Holy Ghost helps you to grow in Christ, I'm to be alongside as another tool that God's using to feed you as you grow along in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And, here's, and there's a great expectation when he comes back. This is what he said now. Because remember that verse, it says, as one who must give an account. So you got to remember every time you're dealing with me, you're dealing with somebody that's going to have to answer to God for what he's doing. Now you do to a degree, but you don't have to answer for God, to God for the responsibility of how this church, the direction this church is going in. You will to a degree, but I answer over all of that. I got to meet God with that. So I said, make it easy on that man to do it. And here's my next point. I come back. I see Brother Reed. <laughs> He comes to the door. He can barely open it. He's bent, bent doubled over. He's about that big around because he ain't had enough money to eat because they've been uh, uh, mean and, and they've malnourished him and they've beat around on him and they've been disrespectful to him. You know what's going to happen? Me and them kids, when we get home, there's going to be a problem. Isn't that right, Josh? If we dropped our kids off somewhere and they've misbehaved, buddy, don't you make it hard on that person. They got enough on them when they're just entrusted with your livelihood while they're in your care. Right? You mind them. How many of you, when you drop your kids off, you mind them? Act right. Do what they told you to do. There's expectation on both ends. That's why I got to do everything I can do to help you. You got to do everything you can do to help me because we're all going to answer to this chief shepherd. He's the one really in charge. And if I'm right with God, all I'm doing is filtering out information that's coming from headquarters anyway. Right? So how do I know the difference? It's what the Catholic Church didn't want you to have. All right, here's how you know the difference. A King James Bible. <laughs> say, well, I love him, but I don't know about that. <laughs> so you can try to check everything. God's give you something. You better, hey, young people, you better hide as much of this in your heart as you can possibly get in there. All right, here's your guidebook to check and see. Uh, what's your hearing if seeing if it's so, right? Be good Bereans. Is that what the scripture said? And so there's great expectation on both sides. There's an expectation uh, from you and for me. Why? Because daddy's coming. That sounds silly, but I'm going to tell you something. Uh, Jesus is coming, and I love him, and I don't serve him out of fear, but it's a filial fear that we have of him. He's spoken of him as he is a father, right? And he's coming, and we're going to have to meet him with what we've been doing. Scares me to death. <laughs> Lord, I want to do it right, don't you? And here's a promise he's, he's made to me. And this is, I said in my bed about wept. I, I thought, I've never, 
And I've not been pastoring long, but I've never really thought about the reality of the truth of this verse. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Wow. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't you like to help me get a crown? And say, well, you know, I don't understand all these crowns. I started thinking about them crowns. How's it not going to fade away if we don't get to keep it? Has anybody ever thought about that? We've talked about these crowns, we just lay them at Jesus' feet. And well, it didn't say they were going away. I don't know where they're going to be exactly. Maybe they'll be around the throne. I don't know. I know they're not going nowhere because they fadeth not away. That word being used there is referring to a particular kind of flower. That they use not a flower that you use to make bread, but a flower that you use and when they, in those Greek athletic games, and they would make those crowns to put on people's heads. In the wintertime, this particular type of flower, they could pick this flower, and it would never lose its color, it would never fade in its beauty, it would never, when it was plucked up, it would never fade in any way, and so they would make those crowns out of that particular type of flower because it never lost its beauty. It never faded. Its color remained the same. It was just as vibrant in the winter as when you plucked it. And you could put it back in the water and it'd be revived. It's, I mean, it, this is what he's referencing here. It fadeth not away. Isn't chapter 1 talking about to an incorruptible <laughs> inheritance that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you? Tell what all that is. I don't know, but whatever it is, it's still going to be beautiful as long as it's there. It will never fade in its beauty. Whatever this inheritance is, this crown that fadeth not away, I may lay it down at Jesus' feet, and I may not be wearing it on my head strolling down the streets of heaven, but it'll be there somewhere on display just as beautiful as the day Jesus gave it to me. <laughs> and I might get to walk by the throne and look and, and have remembrance and see that. I don't know how it's going to go, but I know this much. It's going to be beautiful and I won't be one of them. <laughs> Amen. How are you going to get one, Brother Claire? I'm going to faithfully do everything in my being to feed you the Word of God. Amen. Do it willingly. Not a filthy lucre, neither as being lords over God's heritage, being examples to the flock. That's why I don't think anybody that don't have a burden, they, sh they should never take a church. Never take a church if you don't have a burden. If God didn't put a love in your heart for people, almost the equivalent to a man's family, well, he put the people, the body of that church, in the heart of a person. A burden, willingly, not of constraint, uh, but, uh, uh, but willingly, I, I sat there in, in, in Calvary Baptist Church for almost 11 years and I had, almost, I had five different churches, four different churches voted on me and I turned every one of them down. And I finally got along the way and I went on down the road and, and got down and uh, I got a little older and, and had somebody, some older men say some things to me. I said, well, I don't believe it's right, these young preachers sitting in churches. And it started affecting me. And they said, well, if, you've got, if there's a church open and you've got a desire for the office of a bishop, then you not to feel that need. That's the way it works. So I just got to thinking, well, hey, you keep turning opportunities away. God's going to quit laying out the opportunities for you. Now that is, but I knew in my heart that God has never had a problem speaking to me about the will of God. 
say, well, I just don't know what to do. Then don't do nothing. That's what I do. And it served me well. I found out the hard way. Don't ever, don't ever, don't ever get out of the will of God without getting orders. You will pay dearly. And it'll be a lesson you will never forget. Say, well, God's not told me and I don't know what to do. Don't do nothing. Wait on God. That's good advice. I don't care if you're a preacher, if you're not a preacher, anything in your life. Say, well, I'm thinking about uh, this one. I, I, wanna, I like this young lady. I like this young man I'm on the day. If you don't know for certain, yeah, I'm telling you, don't do nothing. God's got no problem confirming things in your heart. He called you out of sin and into his eternal glory. He didn't have no problem speaking to us, did he, Brother Reed? That still small voice, something just said, hey. <laughs> Amen. And then God, when God put me here, I'm telling you, y'all remember that night, I preached out here on a Wednesday night, and we got on the altar and prayed together, and God confirmed it in my heart, and from that day, I had this church in my heart from that day. Just love the people. This your God, I'm telling you, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. And it'll, it'll, it, you can endure when you know God's put you there. You can make it through those troubles in a marriage when you know God put you together. You can make it through in those career times uh, when you're questioning whether you ought to be at that job or not if you know God put you there. When you know that you're in the will of God, then you'll make, you can make it through some hard times. Am I telling it right? I've been in some church battles. I thought, no, it's the will of God. I can get out of here. <laughs> Amen. But man, I don't know how we do it. I don't know how we did it. Just by the grace of God, we just stuck with it because God said to stick with it, right? Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Boy, it's wonderful to just be in the will of God, isn't it? Are you in the will of God tonight? That's a good question for people. Are you in the will of God? Doing what you're supposed to be doing? It'll produce holiness, happiness, and humility. Are you in the will of God? Boy, that's wonderful. I've not been in my life. I know what it's like not to be. And boy, I don't want to ever be there again. Amen. All right. So great humility is expected for the minister, but in the ministry. So he says here, neither is being lords. So the reason he says that is because when you're put in charge, a lot of times uh, it goes to people's heads. And I'll say myself as well, any man has the ability uh, to be lifted up in pride. And so I'd be extremely careful uh, about those kind of things. And you have to be careful uh, with uh, your pastor. Be careful with him knowing uh, that a, a young man uh, um, is, uh, and I'm not a young, young man, but is certainly capable of being lifted up in pride. That's the warning he gave, not a novice, right? A pastor shouldn't be a novice. Why? That should be lifted up with pride and fall into the snare of the devil. So you have to be extremely careful uh, with those things. Any man, I don't care how old you are, have the ability. We've all got pride in us, don't we? Boy, it's ugly when it shows. But humility is beautiful. You ever notice that? Pride's ugly. But humility is beautiful. And this is what I'm going to end this little bit with. We're done tonight. But neither being lords over God's heritage but being examples to the flock. And so, man, I just had to preach to myself again, but that's okay. Neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And that's why he starts out with me, because if I'm going to preach for people to be humble, then I must be humble, right? And so 
You pray for me all these things. Everything I preach, I'll take that into consideration every time I preach it. I want to be faithful to that. I've seen a lot greater men than me fall. And you know what I think about? Church, we're done tonight. I know I've been preaching a while. But you know what I got thinking? I wonder if people in those churches where they had a preacher or a pastor to fall, I wonder if they were praying for him faithfully. You ever think about that? It scares me to death. Boy, you better pray for your pastor. Pray for me. I need it. I'm telling you, I need it. My family needs it. I know you do. I know you do. And I appreciate how much you love me. I'm telling you, though, pray for me. Because there's greater men than me that are falling right now to this day. I could name more of them. I'm just not in the mood. I think some of them should be named for some of the things they've done. But it could be me being named. Pray God keeps me by his strong, mighty hand. All right. We'll just close. Because then he's going to deal... When, when that chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown. I've never thought much about those. I've never thought much about those crowns. I just, I don't mean this to sound like I'm spiritual or anything, but you all know what I'm saying. I just want to get there and see Jesus, don't you? <laughs> if I get a crown, great. I'm really not, I just want to see Jesus. Can you imagine what that would be like? And, uh, but then I got to thinking, well, you get to uh, give him something. Well, I don't want to go empty-handed when I go see him. I'd like to lay some crowns down his feet. But then I really got to, God really struck that home for me, uh, that, that he lays that thing out for, for all of us. Uh, there's crowns available for all of us, uh, the soul winner's crown and all those uh, various ones. And when you're tried and all those things. But here's one uh, that's available for me. And God almost just made that thing real to me. It excited me. That's a personal thing. You know what happened during them games? We gotta go home. <laughs> you know, you know what happened? You know, they wouldn't just get one of the, you know, old servants to put that crown on that winner, would they? You know what would happen? They made a big deal of them games. And when people won, when he was crowned, it was usually somebody very important doing the crowning. Wow. This is for all of us. You think about it. You won't maybe not get the pastor's crown like that. But there's other ones. Was there not four other ones, I believe, available for you? Man, can you imagine Jesus? <laughs> Boy, what a day that's going to be, folks. Hang in there. Keep fighting the battles. Keep praying. Keep praying for me. I'm praying for you. Pray for one another. There ain't no telling what God's going to do. You believe that? I'd like to see us get revived. I'd like to see us do some things. Let's pray. God will help us. Uh, we need it. I need it. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for everybody that's here. We thank you for every saved person here tonight. Thank you for the privilege that I have to be involved in the ministry. Thank you for calling me into the pastorate and allowing me to pastor the great privilege that I have with a great responsibility. Please help me to exercise and discharge these duties that I have faithfully. Uh, because these are your people, Lord, that you bought and paid for with your own blood. And help them, Lord, please, Lord, please help our people grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord. And then we pray for those who might be here tonight unsaved, that you continue to deal with them in conviction and power and draw them to the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand to your feet. If you need to come, you come. I have a verse for you, Brother Reed.